content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, my name is Esther, and today we're going to be talking about Camp Hero and the two time-traveling brothers. Keep listening to find out what the hell happened. Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened. My name's Esther, and today I'm here with the wonderful Mr. Lockwood. Hello, Esther. Hi, how are you? Just fine. How about yourself? Great. How's your birthday going? My birthday is wonderful. I did get flowers. Flowers? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not from you. Unexpected. <laughs> They're from my boyfriend. This is unexpected news. <laughs> Speaking of unexpected news. Norm MacDonald. Wishing you happy birthday from the grave. Yeah. Yep. On my birthday. I know. Now you're going to have to be sad on my birthday every year. I'm going to cry on this podcast. Oh, we're not doing that. No. (laughs) There's no crying in podcasts. No, there's not. (laughs) Would it make you feel better if I told you a story? I mean, Uh, a little bit. I suppose. It depends. Today's story is about Camp Hero. Have you ever heard of Camp Hero? No, not the name. Doesn't ring any bells. All right. So this story is about Camp Hero and the strange tale of two time-traveling brothers. Mind blown. I did not know that people could time travel. I don't think they can time travel. Time time travel? (laughs) I didn't think time traveling was possible. (laughs) It isn't because it's not a thing. What about time traveling? That's possible. Time traveling is a real thing. I know of only one kind of time traveling. Mm-hmm. Do you hear it? <laughs> Are you doing it's it? It's happening right now. <laughs> I can see it. You're doing it. <laughs> I just traveled through time. <laughs> About what? Three seconds? I mean, it seemed like probably a lot longer than that. <laughs> Ten seconds? Yeah. Can you tell me what's going to happen in the story? That's the thing about time traveling. You have to travel there to find out what's going to happen. You don't just know. You, you want to time travel through the story with me? Yeah. All right. So here's a little background on Camp Hero. The site known as Camp Hero or Montauk Air Force Station is now declassified. And it's a 754 acre state park located on Montauk Point in New York. It is at the eastern tip of Long Island. You know how I know that? Hmm. From that Jim Carrey movie? Where he eternal sunshine yeah. of a spotless mind. Yeah. He really liked to go to Montauk. Yeah, he, on the he beach. was he was in Montauk. Well, he took the train up there. Yeah. So he could feel sad on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Jim Carrey's in the story. <laughs> Would be cool if he was. Though. Maybe that's how he got to start. You know, they erased his mind there at Camp Hero. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, it is weird that there was mind erasing in that. Cause mm-hmm. is there mind erasing? The Montauk Air Force Station was originally commissioned by the U.S. Army in 1942. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're fired. Your coasters are sweaty. (laughs) I'm sweaty. Just just so everyone knows, we don't have AC in our house, and it's a little we do too. It's a little warm in the recording area. Window AC, and we turn the fan on, but it would sound really bad. So by the time we get through this, we'll probably be very sweaty. So. 
Camp Hero's location was chosen to prevent a potential invasion of New York from the sea and was disguised as a fishing village. Camp Hero was named after Major General Andrew Hero Jr., who died in 1942. He was an Army's commander of coastal artillery. Three gun batteries were built at Camp Hero, replacing most of the other heavy guns. The batteries consisted of large concrete bunkers covered with earth, containing ammunition magazines and fire control equipment. That's called a trigger and bullets. Well, they had a bunch of them. That's what you just described in a really Mm -hmm. long sentence. Mm -hmm. Really big bullets and big triggers. Right. Encased in concrete. A lot of concrete. Right. In 1992, Preston Nichols and Peter Moon wrote the Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, in which they alleged that secret experiments were carried out at the Camp Hero site. I honestly just got the book today. I'm going to read it, but I haven't yet. We may do a few more episodes that involve things that happened at Camp Hero because there is a lot of stuff. Really? Like a lot. I will read this book after we record and it all that information may go into a different episode. So in 1984, they attempted to sell the entire facility to real estate developers, but local environmental activists did not like this idea saying that the site had many unique ecosystems and animal habitats. Even back then they were doing this stuff? This was in 1984. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, okay, good. All right. So I do care (laughs) Mm -hmm. about trees and Mm -hmm. animals Mm -hmm. and ponds and rivers. Yeah, you like to eat them. Well, you want to make sure there's always more, right? Well, yeah. So you have to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. And eat the animals. You can't eat all of them. (laughs) There won't be any more. I've seen you try. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the ones in the house, not oh, all of them. Oh, gotcha. The remaining portions of the military site were decommissioned. Most of the facility, including Camp Hero, ended up being donated to the National Park Service, and they then turned it over to the New York State Office of Parks and Recreation and the Historic Preservation. You with me? Yes. Okay. They gave it to the feds, gave it to the state. Yes. You're all caught up. <laughs> <laughs> because the big guns were no longer needed. Right. Actually, even in the 40s when they started building them here, they were never ever going to need it. be needed. Because you can't shoot down bombers with an 18-inch gun. It's hard to hit them because they're flying. Right. Some parts that were deemed environmentally sensitive were sold off. In the 1980s and 1990s, they didn't really do much in the way of development with Camp Hero. In 1996, a study was done to see if the land would be suitable for developing the site as a golf course. That'd be weird. Do you think they'd leave the buildings there? It'd be like the 18th hole would have like the the giant cannon hanging off the side. And if you get it into the cannon, it goes right into the cup. Yeah. On the 18th hole and you win like a Frosty or something. Like an ice cream cone. (laughs) Just a Frosty. (laughs) I mean, I'd be happy with Frosty. It'd be be a cool place to have a golf course. Oh, it'd be like an extreme professional putt-putt course, right? (laughs) You just leave all the buildings there and build the holes around the backsides of them. Yeah, that would be one way to... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could do it that way. To ricochet it out of the satellite dish and in the opposite direction. Off the corner of the nuclear bunker. (laughs) Right. I like it. 
It's a shame they didn't do that. After a few years of back and forth, however, the idea for the golf course was dropped in 1999. So that was a no-go. You'll never be able to golf into satellites. I mean, I think that area is way up out in the middle of nowhere. I have a feeling it wasn't economically feasible. Right. Well, here's a picture of some of the abandoned, yeah, radar station. the abandoned buildings as they are. There's signs. That is cool. That'd be really cool to see. Yeah, it would be neat. I mean, it's a park. You can go by yourself. Someday. By myself. <laughs> Once I find out what's been going on up here, I won't yeah, want to go. I'm going to send you up to find out what's actually going on up there. Some secret mission. I can tell you nothing is going on up there. You'll be a believer by the end of this. Really? <laughs> yeah. Get ready. There are plans to create a museum that will focus on World War II and the Cold War history inside of the radar tower. I go to the museum just as a reason to snoop around the property. Maybe like you sneak into the back room where the vats of super soldier embryo werewolves are. I mean, yeah. That would be neat. They keep those in the back. They don't keep those like chained well, up in the basement. Well, they're growing them. They're not, al- they're not awake yet. Oh, oh. They're just growing. Are they selling those in the uh, gift shop? Maybe they like dip them in formaldehyde, like the ones that aren't going to work out, and they put them in a little... Necklace tube? Yeah, like a little necklace tube. <laughs> I definitely want one of those. That's what I want for my next birthday. I don't want enemy intelligence right. like getting the DNA of that thing. Fuck these flowers you got me. I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do love the flowers. Thank you. Some parts of the camp remained closed off and guarded, especially the areas near the old satellite installations. Guarded by whom? Park rangers? Government. Somebody, I mean, you can see they're still all fenced off. Yeah, There's, they always put that stuff up. Yeah, they're Doesn't aban- mean anything. They're abandoned and they're fenced off. I mean, and, and even if you had the park, I mean, you've got these buildings and it's kind of a historical site. You wouldn't want to knock them down. So they probably just have them fenced off so that... When you go to have your picnic, you're not well, like... Well, I can see where this conspiracy's going. Why would you leave them up unless you were using them for something? You don't want people sneaking in and shooting like zombie films in front of them, you Why know? not? They, that would be great. You should but... charge them a fee. We got a lot of bills to pay oh, off in this country. That's true. If you would like to visit Camp Hero, there are picnic tables, fishing, horseback riding, walking paths, all eerily positioned through and next to military buildings. And death rays. And death rays that are all positioned near or next to military buildings that are in disrepair with do not enter signs plastered all over them. That's not weird at all. It's not. It's normal. But it's a normal place for a picnic? I'd have a picnic there. You would have a picnic there and not think anything different of it. What do you mean? I would be like recording things and snooping around and watching the skies. But you would just be eating your olive loaf sandwich. I would never eat an olive loaf sandwich. <laughs> so that would be like the weirdest thing that happened to yeah. you there. <laughs> That would be the thing I most remember. You know, it was really strange. I went to this <clears throat> park next to all these abandoned buildings. But wait, it got really weird. I ate an olive loaf sandwich. <laughs> it was a strange, strange yeah, day. I understand historically why that was put there. They wanted to protect New York City, Washington, D.C., and that would have been a vector to come through, get close. So they would have this radar here that would detect planes, big battleships, and it'd start shooting at them if they came close. This was before the war was over, if it was 1940. Right, yeah. 1941. Yeah. But they're not doing that anymore. So it's just buildings to me. That's what it is. Yeah. 
Did you know that radar is the same frequency as the microwave in your house? That you could cook your food with one of those big radar dishes? If you turn it up high enough, you could anyway. Yeah. It turns out that the show Stranger Things is based on the supposed experiments that were conducted at oh, Camp cool. Hero. Oh, so here's the conspiracy end of this. Camp Hero gained most of its attention from the book The Montauk Project Experiments in Time. The book's Wait. author... Did you read it? No. Oh. <laughs> it's not very thick. I thought maybe you went forward in time. I and... read the back. The <laughs> so, cover. So you kind of time traveled to the back of the book. There's pictures in here. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Ooh. Wait. There's there's a schematic. Yeah, close it. We could build one of these. Yeah. Oh, I'm ahead of us. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're traveling through time. Too far. <laughs> You've gone too I'm far. I'm traveling through time back in time. Oh, you have no idea how relevant what you just said was. <laughs> the book's author, Preston B. Nichols, who was the leader of the psychotronics movement in the 70s and 80s, claimed that agents of the government were transmitting ideas directly into people's heads using electromagnetic radiation. Let me show you a picture of Preston B. Nichols here. You ready? That's Preston B. Nichols. Oh, okay. He pretty much it's different, huh? He pretty much looks like this in all of his kind of later photos. I well, mean, obviously, I mean, he's a crazy. He went crazy. You don't know that. I do. I look at that picture. I can tell <laughs> where he's headed. Because you can see into the future. I can see his future. Look, the guy's a hoarder. Look at all the mail piled up. Oh, there is a pile. Packaging up. back there, junk. Uh, yeah. Everything is super old. It's never been dusted. His sofa or his his chair, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that's the only chair he sits in. Pretty sure his shirt is misbuttoned. His shirt is not buttoned at the bottom. Well, it's not buttoned. It's not aligned. Oh, it's al- misaligned. It's misaligned. Yeah, buttoning. you're right. It is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. He has some issues. I don't know yet. I haven't read the book. But Perhaps just from immense neglect of life, he has focused so much energy into the goings-on at Camp Hero that he really knows what's going on. You know, like a nutty professor, kind of. Well, I mean, he's probably seen some really crazy shit that he probably doesn't give a fuck whether or not his shirt's buttoned. We're really not straight. giving him a fair shake because there's a book right here we could read. That's true. And he and we're he judging him without Actually, this is it. the first of three books. Yeah. Okay. Should we retract our harsh judgment on no those things are still true clearly okay okay a lot of the conspiracy theories kind of originated from the first book that he wrote he wrote this book and a lot of people kind of ran with the Mm -hmm. stuff that he wrote in there side note psychotronics is the ability to manipulate a person's emotions thoughts bodily functions or will from a remote location using extremely low frequency waves and other means. Using this technology on a person or possibly an entire population can be controlled like with a remote control. They already do things like this using magnets on your brain. Temporal, mid-cranial temporal stimulation, I think. They do it for therapy purposes. I need some cranial stimulation. You're getting it right now. <laughs> well, Ben, I'm getting that 24-7 because <laughs> I live with you. You must like it. I don't know about that. They already have this, I would say, nothing nearly as precise, though 
completely possible. They do this for therapy purposes and studies. They can actually turn off parts of your brain and study the effects using this magnetic stimulation. I think they've treated multiple kinds of diseases with it, like muscular control diseases and things. Oh, okay. So they're, they're doing this as part of exploring how the brain works and also for therapeutics. You could do all this. You know, the whole list of things that, that this does, mind, it's a brain control. So yeah. if you could control any subcomponent of a brain, you could get any result you wanted out of someone, including what they thought, things they would say. I think if it didn't actually happen, they certainly tried to do it. Possible, but... You don't think they were trying with, to do some weird stuff? I think that even the things that we do now are giant ham-fisted versions of this. And that's with very extremely advanced electronic control and imaging systems. So you really have to have digital computers like we have to do this. It's not that good. So if yeah, you're but... using big transistor microwave generators and stuff that they were playing around with, I mean, you would just be melting people. You'd just melt their <laughs> brain. You wouldn't get a result. Well, well, we I... melted another one, Jim. Well, I mean, that's Better a... turn the power down another 14 megawatts. That's a result. I mean, it's not the yeah, desired result. it's not result. really mind control. Well. It's a plausible technology, as in, if it existed, I would go, yeah, it, it, would, it could work. But then if you can't explain to me exactly the theory behind why it works and how it works, including understanding how a brain works... It didn't happen. You know that I believe all of this. (laughs) I believe it all. I mean, I don't want it to be true that they were like experimenting on people and trying to mind control populations of humans. But I don't believe that nothing was happening. My guess is at best they stumbled across a hack. Maybe they just stumbled on one little spot in someone's head that they could get one action out of if they like turned this machine on. They didn't get universal detailed amounts of control over someone like they were a marionette. There's no way they did that. But they might have like turned it on. You'd be like, ah, my ears are itchy or something like that. And they're like, geez, Gene, look at that. We got him to get his ears to itch. (laughs) And that was like it, you know? I, yeah, I... My fingers are tingling. It's like, well, that's what happens when you get exposed to gamma radiation at lethal levels. (laughs) So they got him to react. Technically, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it talks about it, but, you know, maybe all their DNA melted like three days later. (laughs) But, you know, they got a, they got a result, I guess. There might be a little bit of DNA (laughs) melting in here. Between the two of us, you are way more skeptical than I am. I just kind of read it and absorb it for the droplets of fiction that are in it and i just enjoy the weirdness of it all it's always this is possible or this is how they did it but when they say this is how they did it you can't reproduce in any way shape or form nor can you like use your engineering imagination and go okay well they must have had to do this so i'm gonna go find out some paper that talks about this little aspect and then i'm gonna go to this place and i'm gonna figure that out and then you could like actually piece it together and go, oh, well, this is this could be how you would do it. It's not a real explanation. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not even like even nuggets where you could pick up the trail and find out professors that wrote something about this effect and that. Effect. It's just there's nothing. Right. There never is. I read a lot of crap on the Internet and there's no one that was like, you know how you can make Sammy play the guitar with an electromagnet? <laughs> Nope. Like, I've never seen that before. And, like, here's the schematics and here's the machinery. <laughs> and here, by the way, is my GitHub account where the code is written to right. show you how to do it. I would love that. You know? I would love for somebody to control me into playing a musical <laughs> instrument. <laughs> I would love somebody to control me into doing a, a lot of other things that I want to be good at, but I'm just 
not. There's there is someone that can do that. Me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. There were also claims by Nichols' followers that he was able to control the weather and by Nichols himself that he has experienced teleportation. Aurora Project. He claims that he has experienced teleportation. Did he notice any ill effects from his time travel? I think he forgot how to button his shirt (laughs) and throw things in the garbage can. Some of the claims as to what took place at Camp Hero are the facility itself is said to have over 10 levels that actually extend under the town. Children and homeless people being abducted and subjected to mind control technology, remote brain programming, and huge amounts of electromagnetic radiation. Supposedly, many of the abducted were killed during the process and buried on the site. Others were released with programming as mind slaves. Nice. And have alternate personalities to be sleeper cells who mm-hmm. could be activated to perform missions. MK Ultra. Yeah. So, I mean, you were kind of... They're all real programs. Yeah. This one in particular about the children and people just randomly disappearing and being experimented on. And I I think I'm going to do another episode on that specifically because it is a whole other thing. Oh, the government has a huge history of experimenting. Oh, yeah. It's a whole other big thing. But at Camp Hero specifically, I think we're going to go back into that, but on some other episode because it's just too much for this one. This is already like a huge thing to... Chew. Yeah, you wondered why you didn't see me for like three days. <laughs> all these programs are kind of known that the government, one way or another, has tried. But they've been all over the place. Different universities, all across the country. It would be a very large project. Mm-hmm. So if this camp isn't that large, there's 5,000 PhDs working there. How could they ever support all these kinds of experiments at the I... same time? Too big of a scope if you added all these projects into one little place. But still, these are all things the government has worked on. Some more of the claims of things that have happened at at Camp Hero are materializing objects out of thin air using enhanced psychic abilities. That would be useful. Yeah, but where does it come from? Who cares? I need a spatula. Pretty sure there's a... Oh, there's one in my hand. (laughs) Great, I can flip that in. Who else's hand was it in before that? I don't care. It's mine now. <laughs> you could start a war, a spatula war. I would too. If I had all the spatulas, I could just slap everyone with them. <laughs> Touch my spatula. <laughs> Apparently, researchers were able to travel anywhere in any time or space using a portal that was created, also called a time tunnel. How do you feel about time tunnels? I would assume that would be called a wormhole. Probably, but Mm -hmm. time tunnel sounds way more like we made it. It is a better name, really. Self-explanatory. I like time tunnel. Because time and space are the same thing. The only problem with time tunnel is it's when you get in it, you walk through the portal and you walk out the other side. There's no tunneling. Yeah. Like, even though you technically are, you'd never perceive it. You would just be like, oh, hey, I'm there. Be like walking through a wall. Oh, a door. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
You mean that hole in the wall <laughs> that we use? They should call it a worm tunnel. I forgot that those were called they, doors. They should call it a time door. But we have lots of those in our house. They don't get me anywhere fast, though. What's the doctor know? Doctor Who? Doctor Who. Doctor what's what? His, what's his time machine called? The TARDIS. What What happens when you walk through the door of the TARDIS? It's bigger on the inside. Yeah, that would be like the same idea. Oh, unless That's a wormhole. Unless it's not bigger on the inside. Well, it's a wormhole. How do you, how it's how do going you know? to somewhere else. How do you know where it goes? You don't. Oh, see. But you know it goes somewhere else. That's fucking dangerous. That you know. I'm not walking through anything. I don't know where it ends up. Another thing that happened at Camp Hero, there was a chair that was designed or they got the schematics from aliens and supposedly it would boost mental powers of the user just by sitting in it. What I have to say She's telling me not to say anything. What I what I have to say to you before you say anything is that I think that if this were real, don't you think that every school in America would have these chairs because I think we need them. Every child in America should have a brain-boosting mental power chair to sit in. They have them. They're called reading chairs. Really? You sit in a chair and you read? Yeah. <laughs> it has amazing powers. I don't think you need a chair it to works. read. It works. I mean... Might be the reading part more than the chair. How do we know it's not the chair? Because I've read in different chairs and gotten the same result in every one of them. What if all chairs are created this way with alien technology? I was thinking maybe it more had like a little hidden meth syringe in the back of it. And you'd sit <laughs> in it. Woo! I'm smart now. <laughs> I suddenly feel very, very different and very tingly in the I brain. I really, really want to pay attention to this now. Yeah. Can't help myself. Drugs are the answer. Although, you know. These people think so. They were just drugging people left and right. Oh, definitely, yeah. All right, now we're going to get into the teleportation part of this. This is where the teleportation experiments of the 1940s called the Philadelphia Project and the experiments at Camp Hero seem to intersect. If you haven't looked into the Philadelphia Project, you should. There are a lot of things that, that happen in the Philadelphia Project that relate to the things that happen in Camp Hero and the Montauk Projects. But because I feel like the Philadelphia Project has been covered so much, I wanted to tell this story. There are so many branches that I could have gone off on that this one was interesting and I wasn't actually fully aware of this story and I was excited to take a closer look at it. August 12th, 1943, two brothers, Ed Cameron and Duncan Cameron, boarded the USS Eldridge at Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Pennsylvania. Allegedly, the entire ship disappeared as part of an experiment to make the ship cloak so that they could not be detected by radar. That's what the actual Philadelphia Project was, the attempt to cloak the ship from radar. Let me tell you, if you accidentally make a ship transport when you're just trying to make it invisible to radar... You're doing it wrong. You really, like... (laughs) Failed physics bad. They were overachievers. They just wanted it to kind of disappear, but then they made it fully disappear. This is a picture of the two brothers. This is Duncan Cameron. And now this guy's name is Al, but we'll get back to him. Allegedly, all the sailors in the crew immediately became sick. 
They were seemingly stuck inside the ship. There was immediate panic, and Ed and his brother Cameron decided their best option was to jump overboard. But instead of landing in the water, they found themselves suspended in time. How about that? Then everything went black, and after some time of disorientation, they ended up in the hospital in the year 2137. They had radiation burns, among other injuries. Okay. That's all you got to say. If you got treated in a hospital in 2137, first of all, they would just give you a genetic therapy that would fix all of your busted up DNA, and then you would never be sick your whole life, and probably wouldn't die. And then even if you got transported back, you would still maintain that genetic superior programming. So the one guy, Ed, the one brother, he said that the hospital had televisions that were basically maybe slightly more advanced than our TVs, Mm -hmm. and that the only channels they had on were news, (laughs) news history, and science shows, but there was no, like, no reality TV, no soap operas, no nothing like that. He... It's hard for me to believe that he went into the future that far and they still had crappy TVs with women. It doesn't surprise me that they still have crappy shows on TV. Wouldn't they just have like, I mean, we have projectors now. We can project TV on anything. Why would you even need a physical television? They're already building, you know, very, very flat LED, organic LED screens. There's, there's just, it'll just be stuck on the wall. You won't even know it's there. And then you'll turn it on and it'll be there. 2137. Yeah. There's, there's no... There probably won't even be TVs. They'll just no. beam it right into your head. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. His description of what well, this sure. hospital was like was very not what I think. I mean, yeah. we're well beyond that at this point. So why in yeah. our future now would they have TVs from 20 years ago? You know? Like that's how much his description was. He didn't even say like, they were skinny and flat. He did say that one came out of the ceiling. It was a physical TV. Well, I mean... Really, that's what you're going to choose to believe? I'm not believing it. I'm just (laughs) saying that if you did get transported to something like that, and you saw something that looked like a TV, you would go, oh, yeah, they have TVs. Because you wouldn't know what it was. It transported a hundred and some years into the future. You'd just only be able to describe it in terms of what you know. They still have TV, but they seemed a lot better than ours. And... (laughs) You know, and then you'd see the picture of it in 137 years from now. And you'd be like, that's not at all what it is. Right. But if you only knew, you know, a tube TV in black and white, you'd be like, well, I guess that He did say it was in color. So he has, they both have really bad radiation burns and other injuries. There they met a man named Dr. John von Neumann. He was a Hungarian-American mathematician, physicist, computer scientist, and engineer. Dr. Von Neumann was generally regarded as the foremost mathematician of his time. The strange thing is, is that Von Neumann was known to have died in the late 1950s. So they're in the year 2137, and this guy who died in the late 50s is there. But he was alive at the time that they were in the 50s and the 40s. Well, at the time we... that, the time that the ship disappeared and teleported, it was 1943. So yeah, so he Von Neumann was, was quite active in yes. math, designing future of computation. Right, but was he in 2137 too? No, okay. he's dead. Well, they're saying he is. You think that's normal? 
or believable? No. Okay. He's uh, extremely important in the com- computer science field. I mean, he made huge contributions to, you know, all this shit sitting on your desk that works. Yeah, he sounds like an awesome dude. I just don't know how he lived long enough or died and then came back and... Well, I think what happened was that he time-traveled to 2136.99999 because <laughs> he knew they were going to be there, 2137. Yeah. And then he treated them. Well, he used their doctors to treat them. And he got them to come back. And I think it was just a real elaborate hoax. Yeah, but they're yeah. the ones that decided to jump off the ship. Had they not done that... Well, then he went over to rescue them and get them back. He was too busy doing other stuff, not this stuff. I'm not telling you that I like full. Oh. I think I fully believe this. Not even remotely yeah. believe this story. It's just a fun story. Well, you know, I hate it when the myths get mixed in with like taking advantage of John von Neumann. I, I, I mean, that's a little much. Don't take advantage of him. <laughs> I take advantage of him every day. <laughs> I use my computers and I program stuff. Yeah. I think, Mr. Newman, thanks a lot for all this. <laughs> Really appreciate it, Mr. Newman. Thanks a lot for delving into the deep secrets of computational complexity (laughs) so that we can all be here today doing this. You have a Von Neumann machine in your pocket. (laughs) Von Neumann machine. That's that's the Von Neumann architecture. I love it. It's a separate data instructions. I'm going to start calling my phone that. Von Neumann is with the brothers in 2137, and the brothers spend six weeks in the hospital, after which point, at the urging of Dr. Von Neumann, they return to the USS Eldridge in 1983. They shut down the experiment by destroying the control equipment. The pair travel back to 1983 to the USS Eldridge and destroy the equipment there. Uh, they do. <laughs> they do this. <laughs> okay. Smart. That's what I would do. Yeah. I mean. Let me just tell you that the timeline for this is so messed up that here, after I explain a few more things to you, or just tell you, but I have a timeline drawn out because it did not make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, it may make more sense to you because your because your brain just kind of works like that. But the whole the whole story is is. You very, know, I know it's not very real. confusing because they're not federal prisoners right now <laughs> right. for destroying a right. what would arguably they, be one of the most important experiments of all yeah. of mankind that succeeded. One account says that they went back and they smashed everything up with axes <laughs> and were promptly thrown in federal prison for or the rest of their lives, taken out in the woods and, and killed. Probably had their whole families disappeared. Right. Well, nope, that didn't happen. A few years after returning, Ed Cameron was decided to have known too much and was voted out of existence as Ed Cameron. It took a lot of work for me to figure out this next bit because of the timelines, and they are so hard to understand because of the bouncing back and forth. This is essentially what happened. They pretty much erased most of Ed's memories of being himself, including his name. They changed his name to Al Bielik and left him with a basic outline of his life up until then with very few other details, leaving the knowledge of his work, but none of the time travel stuff. I don't even know where to... uh... Speechless again. (laughs) (laughs) Stupefied. Well, that's a good one. Maybe my goal every week is to leave you speechless. (laughs) 
with the stupidest it's speechless stories in I can a bad find. way. It's just like, oh no, this is great. I'm enjoying this. Is great. I am enjoying. I this. will say my respect for Stranger Things has now gone down because <laughs> that's clearly the inspiration for that show. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff. Yeah, but as, as a fictional about? show, I think that that kind of weird stuff is fine. Oh, this, it's cool. No, this I'm, is I'm, a claim by a real person what saying, I'm saying that this is, really happened. I think this guy should be getting a writing credit for a lot of that stuff because oh, I yeah. feel like they totally filched his ideas and they turn it into a giant nickels yeah yeah i hope he got a check from them because they just dug this out you're never gonna believe what is is gonna happen do you think i believe what's happening now no nor should you (laughs) okay i think it's a fun story you're being too serious with this one this is just crazy these are real people that are really telling these stories for for most of their lives but Let's, let's get back to Ed here. So they erase Ed's memories because they're done with him. And they change his name. They change his name to Al Bielik. And they left him with basic outline of his life, leaving the knowledge of his work, but none of the other time travel stuff. So let's talk about Al Bielik, a.k.a. Ed Cameron. Ed Cameron was Duncan Cameron's brother. Yeah. Okay, they're the two guys. He knew too much. Yes, he knew too much. So they basically did like a mind erase and reprogramming of him, Mm -hmm. gave him a new name. Al's earliest memories are at the age of one and being able to understand the conversations that were happening around him by the adults. So he was really good at understanding things that he should not have been able to have understood for his age. And he was really... What's that supposed to mean? (laughs) At one year old, he was listening to adult conversations and fully understanding. He was extremely bright for his age and knew a lot of facts about things that he should not really have knowledge of. His nickname was Walking Encyclopedia. In 1983, Owl was recruited to work at Montauk. He used the cover of being an electrician's contractor, but was actually a program manager for the Montauk Boys, which was a mind control and time travel program. So... He was in charge of that. But he had his mind erased before he did this? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, all except for the things... It's a very Inception kind of thing. All except for the things that he was like, the things that would benefit them still had those skills. I don't understand why they... how, How would you decide someone knows too much and then erase half their memory and then put them to work on the project that they know too much about? I Wouldn't agree. that kind of hamper your ability to do your job? I agree. I read so much stuff and it all said that. And I was like, I don't know. That's like so dumb. How that makes sense. You know but, what? That's exactly what the federal government would do. Yeah. I, I It doesn't make sense. But, you know, this is this is Al's like recounting of what has happened to him. And, you know, listen, let's hear, okay. the, let's hear right. the man out. When Al was finished with his work on time travel, the memories of his involvement were erased. So after he was done working for the Montauk Boys program, when he was done with that a few years later, they actually erased all those memories I, from I his guess, brain. I as mean, well. that makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah, that would make more sense than turning him into a completely different human being. Which they did. Well, I mean, if you could up the work ethic a little bit and get rid of the personal life, then you're going to get a lot more productivity. (laughs) Sure. Sure. 
Five years later, his memory started to come back while watching a film about the Philadelphia Project. He was, I believe it was on his 60th birthday that he watched this. He would have flashbacks, which he said felt more like clear memories. He thought he was losing his mind and pursued help in the way of therapists and psychics. He started piecing together his flashbacks. What he began to remember was unbelievable. I'll say. Yeah. Do you believe it? Not really. Do you unbelieve it? It's unbelievable. But I'll tell you, it is so, it's so preposterous that it absolutely must be true. That's the angle here. Gotta be. Who would make this up? You can't make this shit up. He also stated that he had been placed to live with the Bielik family by the United States government as part of a cover-up. He grew up with a mom and dad and thought, you know, his memories had been put to where he lived with them forever. Their last name was Bielik. And so he grows up feeling a little out of place, but eventually watches a movie at the age of 60 and then realizes <laughs> that he was on the ship with his brother Duncan and <laughs> so then one day he goes to his brother he's like did you know that we like jumped into time and I mean, he's like oh yeah don't you remember I mean he would I, I remember that yeah he would have had to hunt down uh Dun- oh that's true you didn't know he had a brother then anymore no yeah because yeah. his memory had been erased this is the kind of 1930s memory control this is about how good I would think it'd be if it worked at all. Added, it doesn't work. You watch a freaking movie and all your memories come back. Not very effective. Okay, so this is Al mm-hmm. Bielik, mm-hmm. and that's Duncan. Now, so, I mean, you can tell he's, like, much older. And yeah. this guy's much younger, but they're brothers. So that's weird, but I do have an explanation. He slowly started regaining memories of his past and even of being Ed and his brother Duncan. Al has spoken publicly about all of this in detail and has been on over 50 radio talk shows, and he was also a featured presenter at nearly 40 conferences. He passed away on October 14th, 2011. Now, you can get on YouTube. I was going to say, I'm going to have to watch some YouTube videos of this guy. Yeah, you can watch him giving talks, talking about it. I watched, I watched a few, and it's, I mean... You know I love I love elderly people and I just I like want to believe this really wackadoodle story and but I just don't know. Here's my my question also. What would his parents think of this? Like at 60, I'm assuming his parents maybe still aren't alive. Mm. And what you yeah. know, all of a sudden he starts piecing together, "Oh, I was this other guy and la 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 and you know, I was placed with you as part of a cover up." Wouldn't his parents be like, "You're nuts?" What are you fucking talking about? We raised you from the time you were a child. That's wild to me. Unless he was crazy his whole life and they knew it and they're just like, oh, that's just... That's just Al. It's just Al. <laughs> I, I mean, we won't know because he's dead and his parents are dead and I don't or know. Or they could have been agents and they just, they're doing their job, you know. Maybe. Spies. Essentially, that's maybe spies. Yeah, but you should you should get on YouTube and look up Alveolic and listen to some of his stuff because it's it's crazy. I mean, maybe you can find more answers in this than I did. I will try to add the YouTube links to some of his videos in the show notes for this episode if you're interested in watching Al talk. 
the movie that Al was watching when he suddenly started remembering all these things that happened to him was called The Philadelphia Experiment. It was made in 1984, written by John Carpenter, and was a romance wartime period piece, including time traveling and is based on actual events. I obviously I've said... never seen that movie. No, me neither. We're going to have to watch it now. Now we got to watch I it. I think it's it's probably been on one of my queues, all of the different movie services I've ever had in my life. Yeah. It's probably been on every one of those queues. Yeah. But then... And every it, time I look at it, I don't know. I don't want to watch it. Then it disappeared. <laughs> and then it just goes away for a while and then... It's time traveling. We get another <laughs> another movie service and... There it is. Oh, It man. reappears. <laughs> There's nothing else to watch. It's maybe, back. Maybe I'll watch that one day. Back on the yeah. queue. And then you go on one of your queue cleanouts. You're like, I'm never gonna watch that one. Oh uh, well, let's put it back on because now we gotta watch it because now we know this crazy story. All right. On the movie, it claims to be based on actual events, but John Carpenter denies this and said in an interview that, quote, it's complete bullshit. (laughs) So it is completely made up. I think John Carpenter would be very believable. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy that wrote it. It, I mean, why would he lie if it was based on, like, real stuff? He's also made a lot of cool movies. Yeah. And I don't think he ever once said anything that was a lie about his movies. He's like, yeah, it's a movie, dude. It's complete bullshit. That's what he said about That's funny. the claims that this was based on anything that was but real. But does it say right on the front of the movie? Of course it does, right? Because you based want it on, to be believable. True story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. But I mean, how many mockumentaries and found footages and everything else yeah. have we watched that all say that? Uh, The other thing that's interesting about Al is that he claims to have seen a map and he came back, when he came back, he was able to draw a map of what the future looked like when he was there and what the United States would look like. And he gathered this information from watching the TV. Um, I guess there was geographical television shows or (laughs) whatever and... Did you have a look at that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? The U.S. looks like in the future. Most of which, like, the coasts are underwater now, including all of Florida. Yeah, he said that Florida broke off except for the panhandle. Broke off? <laughs> yeah. But if Florida's going to break in off... years? Yeah, I don't is know. Is Florida floating? Well... It's just, like, moored down with some big rope, <laughs> and the rope breaks loose, and all of a sudden, there goes Florida. All I gotta say is if Florida breaks loose, they better fucking take the panhandle with them. <laughs> Don't leave that shit on but the mainland. there'll be no more Florida man stories. I mean, well, look at stories. Florida man's underwater now. Yeah. It's swampy there anyway. Sad. They knew what they were getting into when they moved there, you know? He's got it drawn. The, the Mississippi River is 50 plus miles wide on this picture. All the way for its entire length. And then almost all of the West Coast, up to and including almost all of the Rockies, are underwater. I don't think you're going to put the Rockies underwater without putting the rest of the country underwater. It's like a big anchor. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just his perception. but Most of Texas is still above water, but the coast is underwater. But I don't think Texas has hardly any elevation change across its entire thing. So the whole thing would be underwater. What's your conclusion on this map? Uh, I think it's very, very untenable. You say untenable, I say gabbage. Gabbage? It's gabbage. So we don't like this map. I don't, well, not too much, no. Okay. 
All right, so let's move on to Ed Cameron or Al Bielik. Let's talk about his brother, Duncan, okay? During one of the experiments, Duncan Cameron lost his time lock and began to age one year for every hour that passed. I'm not entirely sure what a time lock refers to, but I, I'm i guessing it just means you age faster, like you're stuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the other show I wanted to bring up was that the show where, yeah, what well, was I, that show? I don't know. Alias. Oh, no, it was uh, The Fringe. Totally knocked off of this. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, absolutely. Yeah. That was a good show. So once again... Preston B. Nichols, hope you got a check from the fringe people because they stole all your shit. <laughs> yeah. I think this has been being passed around for yeah. a while now. Very impressive. Come up with a story that Hollywood has literally sucked the blood out of. Yeah. Like probably many more times than I even know. Apparently Duncan gets stuck in this time lock and he is beginning to age one year for every hour that passes. The time engineers at Montauk in 1983 went back in time to the 50s and convinced Duncan's father, who was now obviously older, but, you know, when you're an older male, you can still create children pretty effortlessly. Okay. <laughs> so they convinced Duncan's this is father. Not what I expected. <laughs> they convinced Duncan's father, Alexander Cameron, to have another son. So his father agreed. After his father achieved having this new child, they removed Duncan's soul and put it into the new child. This person is who we know today as Duncan Cameron. He was raised and groomed to run the equipment in Montauk. Okay, I feel like we're on the edge of a Netflix blockbuster screenplay here. Is it called New Duncan Old Duncan? (laughs) (laughs) Duncan be messing with me. (laughs) I'll be watching that. I'll be watching that and you'd be walking out of the room. <laughs> anyway, you understand this timeline. I, I guess. I'm not sure if it's going to make sense for all of you listeners. I don't think um, it's going to make sense. But maybe can't. I'll draw this out a little bit better and I will post it um, whenever we post this episode. It's the best I can make out what happened. This seems right to me, but there was nothing showing this. Like, I couldn't find this. So I had to read it and then make this whole timeline situation. I'd say it's right enough. This is all interesting because Al Bielik, who is Duncan Cameron's brother, Mm -hmm. is significantly older than him when they finally meet. So this timeline actually makes sense if you're trying to explain the age difference to people who don't believe. All right. It's a lot. I know. Trust me. My brain melted 17 times. (laughs) It was rough. Well, I think I'm getting the hang of this. Okay. Nice. I like it. I have to time travel more often (laughs) through a doorway. Because that's what doorways do. (laughs) So there are um, also videos of Duncan Cameron, the new Duncan Cameron, talking about this. And they can be found online. I watched one. And it also, like I said, explains the age difference between Al and Duncan. The new Duncan picked up where the old Duncan left off, and he became one of the principal physicists who manned the Montauk chair. So that chair I was talking about earlier, the smart chair, Mm -hmm. the reading chair. The book reading chair. 
that's a whole different story as well about this chair. Um, there, there were so many directions to go. I, I had to pick one and run with it. So maybe that'll be a different story if you ever want to listen. There's so many stories there's, in here. There's so many. There's so many. So I was just sticking to Time Traveling Brothers. So Duncan is in the process of slowly recovering his memories as well. He recalls being on the USS Eldridge. And now accepts Owl as his brother. He also remembers going to Mars. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jealous. He would be. I thought that going was... Going to Mars? Yeah. He, they, they Through the worm tunnel? <laughs> Through the time or tunnel. A space, or a space shuttle. Here's the thing. There were so many just weird bits and pieces. I couldn't even... Like, I could have kept going... I really could have. Like, this guy You're is, giving up? They, they've beaten you into submission? That was my ending. That's how they work. That was my ending. Oh. He also remembers going to Mars. That's like, fun. That, you, you did that on purpose. You knew I would be like, fair. come on. No, I did that because I, I thought that it lended to the validity of these stories. Oh, it sure does. <laughs> right. I ended it like that because I needed you to know, like, how kind of just a little bit ludicrous this whole story was. This is just like... So crazy, it's fun, I guess. Clearly, a lot of pop pop culture science fiction has been Produced. inspired by yeah. this. And I feel like this is really in this kind of story motif, all the things in it. I mean, there's got to be like hundreds of movies and shows and stuff that kind of derive from this. You could pull you know? one tiny little piece yeah. off of the story and make an entire series out of it. Yeah, I mean... It's it's wild. I dove deep. I feel like you lightweight hated it the whole I did. time. It was painful, <laughs> scientifically speaking. You had a painful But at the face. same time, the fact that, I, that we could think of so many different movies and stories that we know of, and that's not even counting all the ones that we don't. probably in the future will think like, you know what, that kind of sounds like that. Yeah. That one kind of sounds like that. It's a pretty impressive yeah. feat to write something that sticks in so many people's minds, whether they know it or not. So that's impressive. Yeah. it's And now, you know, I've heard some of these things about Montauk Point and the whole weird stuff that supposedly happened there, but not a whole huge story. And I, what I really liked about this story was that it intersected the Philadelphia Project with the Montauk one. I thought that was really fascinating because it's the only point in which they kind of overlap and they overlap in time travel. Yeah, I don't know anything about the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go down all these rabbit holes. That's what I'm saying. Wikipedia. I could have rabbit holed all night long. (laughs) Any other thoughts on this one? Fuck me. (laughs) What the hell happened? Indeed. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everyone. Do you have a story about something paranormal, mysterious, an encounter maybe that you'll never forget? If you'd like me to read your story at the end of an episode, please email me at wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories.